Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father, I place into your hands the things I cannot do. Father, I place into your hands the things that I've been through. Father, I place into your hands the way that I should go, for I know I always can trust you. For I know I always can trust you. We thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the power in your word. We thank you for the unction that you give to us in the word of God. We now ask, Lord, that you come into our hearts this morning and give us courage. Let your word be our comfort. Let your word be our strength. Because we always make our prayers through Christ our Lord. Can I hear the church say amen? Amen. Thank you. That's better. You know, the other day, I read something about how people domesticate elephants. And I read that usually they get, they get a baby elephant and they tie the leg of the elephant to a huge tree. And so the baby elephant tries to pull and pull and pull and each time the baby elephant is not successful. After a while, the baby elephant begins to think to himself, that that thing tied to its leg must be insurmountable. And so the baby elephant now resigns itself to its helplessness. The baby elephant now gives up and actually refuses to try to pull or to push. And now when the baby elephant grows big and is fully grown, it continues to think that it is powerless. Whereas, in the natural state of the elephant, the elephant in its natural state is the largest and the strongest animal on land. As a matter of fact, the elephant in its natural state can lift a weight of 20,000 pounds can crush any tree on its path. But the domesticated elephant, because it has been tricked as a baby elephant to think that it is powerless, it lives out all its life believing in himself that it is powerless. As a matter of fact, some psychologists call this learned helplessness. And there are some writers who apply this to the human condition. That sometimes, in our own lives, we tend to express and manifest that sense of helplessness. 
Sometimes we tend to express that sense of feeling stuck. And it can happen in so many ways. For some people, that sense of helplessness may be in their relationship. And so you've tried everything about your marriage. It's not working. You try this, it doesn't work. You've tried that counseling, it doesn't work. And after a while, you want to give up. For some people, it might be with their health issues. You've been sick for a very long time. And after a while, you start telling, saying to yourself, I will never get well. I've been so sick for a long time. I will never get well. And you give up. For some people, it might be with their addictions. You've struggled with this addiction for years, and every time you try and you relapse and you try again and you fail, and after a while, you want to give up. For some other people, it might even be with their spiritual life. You pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and after a while, you're like, God, are you even listening? And you want to give up. But there's good news this morning. This morning we have good news. Can I hear the church please say amen? amen? The good news we have is that helplessness is not for us as children of God. That sense of feeling stuck is not for you as a believer in Christ. That's why in our second reading this morning, Paul gives us a beautiful model on how to break free from the sense of helplessness. How to break free from those feelings of feeling getting stuck. And so Paul uses his own personal experience to give us a beautiful model on how to go about doing this. In the second reading, Paul tells us about his own problems. He doesn't tell us what exactly that problem was, but it must have been so bad that Paul calls it a thorn in his flesh. And each time, he goes to God in prayer, and he prays, and he says, Lord, please take this away from me. From me. And each time, the Lord says to him, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. So what I want to do now in the next one or two minutes is to unpack a little bit that second reading and let's isolate certain important things that Paul would like us to do if we desire to follow this model. Number one. Paul tells us in the second reading that every suffering has a meaning. And what makes you overcome your suffering is to begin to locate and find the meaning in your suffering. Paul tells us that for him as Paul, the meaning in his suffering was the fact that vulnerability makes him spiritually humble. And when we are spiritually humble, we now become malleable 
in God's hands. When you are spiritually humble, God can now mold and remold you according to his will. And so for Paul, weakness is good. Vulnerability is good. Pain is good. Because it always keeps us humble and docile to God's will. Number two, Paul tells us that power is made perfect in weakness. And says, for that reason, when I am weak, then I am strong. That sounds like a contradiction, but it's true. Because for us as Christians, unlike that baby elephant that gives up, we don't give up. Because we know the power of faith we have. We know the power of faith in Christ that you have. And that's why Jesus says, if you have faith, even as little as mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to be uprooted, and it will. Because you've got that power. But when we don't have pain in our lives, we may not realize the greater power that is in you as a child of God. And finally, Paul tells us that grace is always abundant. You've always heard how it is said that God does not give you a cross, that he doesn't give you an equivalent grace. To every cross God gives you, he gives you more than enough grace to carry it. And so Paul reminds us that God's grace is sufficient and God's grace is abundant. But for us to access all of these things, there is something we need. We need something. And that's faith. Faith. In the first reading and in the gospel, we read foils, stories that tell us what faith ought not be. For instance, in the gospel, we see those folks who came to Jesus, and they came to Jesus with certain expectations of how the Messiah should look. They came to Jesus with certain expectations, certain scripts of how the Messiah should speak, what kind of class the Messiah should come from. And so they came to Jesus with scripts already prepared. And for that reason, they were not able to experience the mighty, mighty power of God in their lives. So what does that really mean about faith? Faith really means that sometimes you may have to tear up your scripts. Those scripts you have written for yourself about your marriage, perfect marriage without quarrels, you may have to tear it up. Those scripts you've written for your health, that you'll never be sick, sometimes you may have to tear it up. And all the different kinds of scripts that we write for ourselves, you may have to tear it up. And let God write the script for you. And believe me, when you let God write your script for you, 
It is way better than you can ever imagine. Because his script is good. Because God is good. And he's good all the time. And so what he wants of us this morning to do, open up our hearts and let him come in. Yes, sometimes there might be hardship. But like Paul tells you and tells me this morning, place your trust in him because his grace is sufficient. Let us now bow our heads and pray. Father, I place into your hands the things we cannot do. Father, I place into your hands the things that we've been through. Father, I place into your hands the way that we should go, for I know we always can trust you, for I know we always can trust you.